Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Will Nettleton, pastor of mission and worship here at LMPC, and this is a Pillar and Ground confession episode. In our confession episodes, we seek to understand and apply the truths in our Westminster Confession of Faith. And in this episode, we are continuing on our study of chapter 10 of Effectual Calling, and we come to paragraph 3 this episode. And as I have been all, all fall as we've been looking at this together, I'm joined by Brian Salter, our lead pastor. Brian, welcome. Great to be with you. Glad you're glad we're doing this together. We were talking off the air about this, but this has been, uh, I hope it's been helpful for our people. It's been fun for us to get to, yeah. uh, to do this. So hopefully people are uh, enjoying this new format. So we are looking at uh, 10.3, and I mentioned last time, we're now in the section where it's moving from the general idea of effectual calling to the recipients mm-hmm. of the call and non-recipients of the call. And 10.3 actually seems to take a pastoral turn. Um, would you talk a little bit just about that? About It really does. The uh, these are not just uh, scholars and doctrinalists. Uh, you have pastors in the room of the Westminster Divines, and one of the things that happens in Westminster 10.2, it says the effectual call is free from God's free and special grace alone and not from anything at all that God foresees in man mm-hmm. who is entirely passive in it until being made alive or renewed by the Holy Spirit. That opens up as they correct that effectual calling is not foreseeing faith. That opens up they're doing 10.3, which is some good news for really difficult, tragic circumstances. Okay. And I want to just say this before we get into this. This is a tender subject. Mm. Uh, we, my wife and I lost a baby at a, mm. the second trimester. Mm. And um, they're people who are listening to this because this, this goes to elect infants, mm-hmm. infants dying in infancy. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of hurt done mm-hmm. with doctrine to people who have tears on their face over losing a baby. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be really careful. Uh, we're going to, there will be some doctrinal precision we're going to address here, but there's also pastoral wisdom. When someone loses a child, uh, what they need is your hug and your tears and your prayers they often don't need your doctrinal precision at that moment. Right. And so I just want to be careful to know that we're not arming you to go to people <laughs> who are grieving with doctrinal precision. Right. We're actually hoping this gives you comfort so that you can comfort them really well and patiently. Mm. So I just want to point that out because I've heard some things that people have said to folks when they've lost a child. Yeah. And it may be right, but it was so wrong. It was the wrong time. Yeah. There's a, there's a wrong way to say the right things. Um, yes. So it does go into, so the, the divines in 10.3 say, elect infants who die in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit who works when, where, and how he pleases. So also are all other elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the Word. Yeah, so, I mean, I think... Too, to think about historical context here, this is a time when so many people lost so many babies. Mm. I mean, and so many women died in childbirth. I mean, this was a live issue. It's, of course, a live issue today, but praise, I mean, seriously, praise God for modern medicine and how much better Mm -hmm. things have have gotten. We are not, of course, without pain and suffering, and we're not, we we know often miscarriages still happen. Mm. And, but in this particular day, I mean, you had people mm. that were having 10 and 12 children because they knew they were going to lose six. 
Yeah. You know, like it just, it was a, a different era. So this was really, to your point, a very, um, I, I have to imagine, tender point for many of their, a pastoral yeah. concern for their people. Yeah, this that's right. So what is the the whole point uh, of this? We've, we've This is nested in a whole chapter on effectual calling. Just to back up for a second, what's the whole point of this chapter and, yeah. how, and how this section speaks the to it? The whole point of effectual calling in the chapter here is that effectual calling is based on the sovereign work of God. It is not based on human ability. We're actually helpless. Mm-hmm. Uh, the emphasis on the power of God's call, not the age or ability of anybody, mm-hmm. and that being born again precedes faith. Okay, so some of those are some of the basics of this chapter, and it really does go to why they bring this up. Yeah, and so how does remembering those points uh, help us there? Help us understand why the divines introduce yeah. this particular section. Well, the question is, and I think you're so right, in the room there would have been a number of countless stories of lost children. Infants dying in infancy have no hope of expressing faith in Christ. Yeah. They actually have no ability to hear the external call of the word. Right. Um, And so yet, regeneration, we understand, normally takes place. You're made alive, and then you have conscience awareness of the word of God by which you're outwardly called and it hits internally because you've been made alive and you express that in faith. Mm. What they're asking is what of those that don't fit that? Yes. They can't hear it and they can't express it. And that's where they get into both elect infants who die in infancy, but also those who are incapable of being outwardly called. Now I want to make sure you understand incapable of being outwardly called. That's not the people that have never heard the gospel. Right. That's people who are incapable because of handicap or mental inabilities or incapability in some ways of hearing or expressing faith in a clear way. And so uh, if effectual calling is necessary and it's tied to the proclamation of the word of God and it's expressed through faith, the logic of the divines is then what happens to infants. Right. And what they're saying is. We got really good news Mm. because God, as the confession says, works when and where, how he pleases, Mm. which leads to kind of kind of the next question that that is before us that kind of gets our mind swirling. Even that what Chad Van Dixhorn says there Mm. in the next question. Yeah. So Chad Van Dixhorn then goes on um, to state that the non-negotiable for salvation is not faith. What is the non-negotiable? What's what's the point of his emphasis there? What's the answer to that question? And then what? I, I think a lot of us, when we hear the non-negotiable for salvation is not faith, it messes with there, because we we just have a, a wrong way of thinking about our salvation. We think what? I thought you're saved by what? Faith alone. Yeah. What about all those solas? Yeah, Yeah, what in the (laughs) world? Is that an orthodox statement? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's orthodox. Um, The non-negotiable is the work of Christ applied by the Spirit to sinners. Mm -hmm. That's the non-negotiable. And that's why this is such good news is because God, when, where, and how he pleases, can apply the work of Christ by the Holy Spirit to those who cannot respond to an external call, cannot hear it, and cannot express faith, 
And that's why we have hope. Our, the doctrine of effectual calling is why we have hope for elect infants dying in infancy. Mm. Um, does our belief in the necessity of faith mean that no one can be saved unless they make a verbal confession of Christ in this life? No. Right. Because First John says, whoever has the Son has life. And so the confession shows God can apply the work of Christ by the Spirit. This is extraordinary. Ordinarily, regeneration is expressed in faith. Right. But God can apply it and save them. So this is where we get into our doctrines really rich and comforting. Yes. Yeah. If salvation was based on foreseen faith, Mm -hmm. as Arminianism describes, there would be no hope for infants dying in infancy and the incapable. And so while... Sometimes people accuse Calvinism or the Reformed Mm -hmm. tradition of being harsh. Mm -hmm. Look at how our doctrine brings comfort to these who are mourning, Mm -hmm. uh, elect persons incapable, the infants dying in infancy. The Holy Spirit may do this apart from the word where and how he pleases. It's not ordinary. Mm -hmm. It's not a method for missions. Right. So uh, just tell me what you're thinking. this This is... one of those times when I'm just so thankful. Yes, me too. I mean, I I, to, I think the we talked about a little bit about this in the last episode, but there is, you know, we get these critiques of Calvinism, Reformed theology, that this is a hmm. a harsh body of doctrine that God would mm-hmm. choose some and not others. But this section really helps us see where it actually is very sweet because we have a sure and steady basis for hope mm-hmm. for those who are helpless. Yeah. who cannot help themselves, um, which, by the way, is all of us. That's what the whole system of doctrine is about, is actually we are all yes. like this. We are all helpless children. That's why Jesus talks about, let the children come to me. To enter the kingdom, you must become like a child. But it's just important to say, we ha- when it comes to this question of what hope is there for babies who die, we have an answer to that based upon the principles of the system anchored in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And Arminianism, unfortunately, just does not have that. They can make the argument that, well, you know, for infants, God, you know, God saves them. But it's not upon the principles of their system, because the principle is That's... you must have faith. And ch- babies cannot do that. Yeah. And so they can put that out there, but there's nothing underneath it. Um, it's not to be harsh towards our brothers and sisters who believe that. It's just they are brothers and they sisters. They are brothers and sisters. Yep. We're not saying these people aren't Christians. We're simply saying we disagree on this point, and... We think it's worth disagreeing about it because the hope is richer here and it is more anchored, we think, yeah. in the scriptures. Absolutely. So to uh, keep going with, uh, so Van Dixhorn stated that the non-negotiable for salvation is not faith, but actually the work uh, of mm-hmm. the Spirit there, that God ordinarily works by uh, through the Spirit, working faith mm-hmm. in us, mm-hmm. and that this is an extraordinary situation. God yep. will God's free to work outside of that to save infants. Yep. That does raise a question, and I kind of just mentioned it in the discussion we were having uh, about Arminianism. Does God do this for all infants? Can we say with certainty that this is true for every uh, infant yeah. that dies? Can we say this is true for every uh, mentally incapacitated person? How, how precise um, can we be on this? Well, want to be careful yeah. uh, that we don't go beyond what Scripture says. Yeah. 
And so I want to make sure you hear the confession is not saying all infants who die in infancy or other, all those incapable of being outwardly called are absolutely regenerated. It's not saying that. It says elect infants. Uh, the divines are not answering whether all infants are elect yeah. because that's not clear to us in the scripture. Could all infants who die in infancy be the elect? Possibly. I don't know that. God hasn't made that known to us. Uh, the confession nor the Bible makes no speculation on how many or few the number of such persons may be. Scripture doesn't give us that information. We, we cannot definitely say so. Uh, the original confession said elect infants dying in infancy. One branch of Presbyterianism actually changed the confession to say all infants dying in infancy mm. are elect. Mm. And I can't say that because there's not scriptural back, backing for that. Yeah. What you can point to is John the Baptist leaping in the womb at the sight of G at hearing of Jesus in Mary's womb. You can point to David saying of his son, I will go to him, but he will not come to me right. who died. Yeah. Um, so no, the Bible does not teach. The confession does not teach. This is true of every infant that dies. It's a blanket statement. Yeah. Uh, it does specify elect infants. And there is reason to have hope of being in the covenantal family, uh, to have greater hope yeah. in this. I think just to jump in there to say, I mean, one of the things that we we have to address here is all of our assumptions. So Mary, my wife, is pregnant with our third. We're about she's got a, a few weeks left. Maybe by the time this comes out, this baby will be born. Yeah. And I, so I'm sympathetic. Every time I hold one of our newborns, you look at that baby and you see the helplessness, but you also see just the cuteness and the innocence mm -hmm. and the, and so you think like they're not able to do anything good or bad. Mm -hmm. You think sin, you kind of tend to think, ah, sin doesn't really enter this equation until later. Um, it doesn't, <laughs> number one, we know from earlier that that is just not true. What the confession teaches us is that you know, all of us are born in sin. Mm -hmm. So, and David talks about this in the Psalms and, and sin did my mother conceive me I from the womb, right? We are, we are, we have mm -hmm. sin. The guilt of, of Adam is passed on, uh, to all of us. And so none of us are righteous, including that precious newborn baby. And of course, for most of us, you know, it doesn't take long for that newborn baby for you to see the signs yeah, yeah. that it is he or she is a sinner. And the question becomes, well, when did it happen? When did, is it something that I did as a parent? Is it something <laughs> that went wrong here? Cause it's, it's early when you start to see that child, uh, misbehaving. And so that's just to say from the get go, as cute and as sweet as, uh, our children look from the moment they are conceived, there is sin, yeah. uh, there. And so I would point our people back to those discussions and, on sin. And that is really important. That doctrine is because the Western Confession also does not teach that infants and those who are incapable of being outwardly called are saved outside of Christ. Right. Because they are sinful. Right. Born sinners in Adam, they cannot be saved unless the work of Christ is applied to them by the Spirit. Yeah. So the, they, they make very clear elect infants dying in infancy are, are saved by the work of Jesus Christ. Mm. They are saved by Christ through the Spirit. They are not saved because their innocence or their helplessness is meritorious. Yeah. Now, God is merciful to save them in an extraordinary way, applying that. And it's really not, it's actually not extraordinary in some ways because it's how he saves all of us. Right. 
you're born again before you express faith. Right. So they're born again. The work of Christ covers them. And so here's the here's the real thing, I think, where you get to this is someone asks when their child dies. Mm-hmm. Is my child saved? What you don't say is, well, the Bible does not tell us whether or not all <laughs> right. infants yeah. who die in infancy are saved. Right. We don't know that. We yeah. can't know that. So sorry. Sorry. Yep. What you do say is I understand that we can, we are saved by the work of Christ being applied to us by the Spirit, and you can be born again. You are born again before you express faith, and God can apply that to your child. Yeah. And you have great hope in the covenant family of elect infants dying in infancy. And yeah. So you, you can give hope even though you don't give like 100% confidence all in. Oh, sure. Is it a baby? It died. Yeah, it's in heaven. Right. Well, and just that, I mean, do you think about the heart of the God we're talking about? Especially yes. as it's expressed in the person of Jesus, who when the disciples, when when women are bringing their babies to be blessed by Jesus, yeah. uh, it's interesting, that little passage, let, when Jesus says, let the children come to me, yes. that word right there is actually infant. It's, it's mm-hmm. let the youngest one, the women are bringing the babies to be blessed by Jesus, and the disciples are saying, he's too busy, get away from him. And Jesus is angry. He says, do not forbid the little ones to come to me, for such is the kingdom uh, of God, like that's the heart of our God mm-hmm. towards the helpless. And so you ought to have great hope that our God cares more about that baby even than you do. Mm-hmm. And that feels impossible, and it is true at the same time. Uh, and so we have great reason to believe that our God is a kind and good uh, yeah. good father. I think you're so right. I think this section definitely discusses what God can do. Mm-hmm. And though we do not know who exactly are chosen by God, we are reminded of his power and of his mercy. Mm. And we're also reminded in the covenant community of Acts 2, 38 through 39, that Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children. Mm. There is reason that believers have special warrant to hope that their infants who die in infancy are such elect infants. And uh, we can't go beyond that to say all infants, but because of God's mercy and God's power and effectual calling, we can have hope that infants dying in infancy and those incapable uh, can be saved. And I just think this chapter effectual calling the emphasis that it has on the calling of those who are saved and able and those who are saved as infants, it's all about his work. Yes. If it had anything to do with humans, we would have no hope for infants dying in infancy. So this chapter is a great comfort to real tears. Yes. And to just broader Questions of salvation, as you said earlier, this is all of us. We are all in this sense helpless. We are all, we, every time we look at an infant, we are to be reminded of where we were apart from, uh, apart from God. So yeah. yeah, really, really good. Well, thank you for joining us for this, uh, episode of Pillar and Ground. We'll continue next time, uh, with chapter 10, paragraph four. We hope you'll join us for that episode and all the future ones after it. Mm-hmm.